0: All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. I am your host, Bailey Eichbrandt, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Fole. We are back from the classic. And, uh, dude, how was your first classic? Tell the folks.
1: Um, It was incredible. I'm, like, still recovering my voice by the evening. Uh, Yesterday and today has pretty much faded out. I've been on the phone nonstop, I feel like basically all day today just people ask me how the classic was and etc and, and explaining the environment and getting to meet everybody that we get to talk to via computer conference so it's kind of cool to like shake hands with a lot of the pros that we get to talk to here and just seeing people out and about enjoying life almost like post-covid is kind of awesome and surreal and uh it, was it didn't time. really
0: post COVID. It's just called the South. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is fair. Like big difference from New York to South Carolina. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> Why do you think I was traveling so much to the South during COVID? <laughs> it's
1: like, whew. and it was eighty and sunny. Like my wife, my daughter were in heaven. They were running around like crazy all over town. They traveled down with me as I uh, walked around the convention. So, random fact. I walked 41 miles in three days.
0: Thanks, hon. Yeah.
1: Put on yeah, some miles.
0: I think day <laughs> one, I had like over 17,000 steps too. I was like, like Luke was just saying, catching up on sleep, you're just like yeah. exhausted. You're yeah. like, you're still ready just to lay down by the end of the night. But always mm-hmm. uh, oh, a good time. And dude, it was nice because, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to talk to Luke about this when we get him on here in a second. Um, the week like leading up to day one of the classic, it was completely different forecasts than what they were calling for. Like, I think they said it was like high of mid 60s, I think, um, like, on Thursday leading up to the week prior yeah. to the classic. And then you see like Monday, Tuesday, it's going to get like 75 and sunny, like it was going to get real warm. With I think the two days before it was in the 80s, like we yeah. were saying,
1: yeah. I so, Wednesday when we got in, I think we got off the plane, it was like 84 at greenville spartanburg airport and we were like i rolled all the windows down in the car driving to the hotel i into our airbnb and i was like this is glamorous don't don't send me back to buffalo where everything is still ice <laughs> i want to stay
0: That's probably the first time in your life living in buffalo that you've ever had all the windows down in february
1: dude random fact again um, I drive with the windows down in the winter. So, because I'm always <laughs> hot. <laughs> so, my windows are always open, even if it's
0: snowing. <laughs> You're just a weirdo, dude. <laughs> I'm a uh, bear. Yeah, that's, that's why we call you bear. <laughs> uh, but seriously, a uh, big thank you to the the folks that uh, saw our two ugly mugs at the classic and, yeah. and said hello. That was pretty cool. I don't think Andy and I were, were ready for that. Um, but, uh, it was cool to give some serious English stickers out to people and talk shop, talk fishing. Um, we hope to uh, see more f- uh, people down in Knoxville next year and yeah. hopefully get Deacon to join us, have the whole crew there. Um, but Andy, I think without further ado, we should get our guest on here today. Yeah. Let's well, get uh, like Palmer on
2: here.
0: He's got to bring him on so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> What's up, buddy? <laughs> what a great introduction. The, the, the first guest, we teased him a little bit <laughs> offline here. The, I think the first guest that's ever spelled his name wrong. <laughs> oh, guys, I was in a hurry.
2: Heck, I was nervous. Hey. It was my first time. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't your first
0: time, but no. you've been on this show before. Come on now.
2: You gotta, it's a it's a sophomore mistake. A, <laughs> <There we go. laughs> so I guess out. we can
0: still call it rookie. You get your your two time. Here you go. Yeah. All yeah, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now
0: you do it again. No. <laughs> no, but for real, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, get on here. I know it doesn't sound like there's too much to do where you're at. It sounds like it. The weather's a little bit ugly. But uh, it's always good to catch up with you. It was nice to see you down at the Classic and get some time with you backstage. But, dude, sixth place, the Classic, your third Classic ever. It seems like you're getting more comfortable the more you fish these things.
2: I don't know if it's more comfortable. It's just things, you know, it's funny when things line up for you, you know, and things work out. Uh, You know, you're talking about weather, you know, being warm. That was the best thing that could happen for me because if it would have been a deep water deal, we know all too well that Luke does not fare too well in the deep water situation. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'll say I lucked out, but things definitely worked in my favor this week.
0: I, I had a, a weird, I didn't want to say it to you, you know, face to face, but when I came over and said hello to you at media day and I was like, I just asked you one question of like, you like this weather forecast this weekend. And you very subtly just looked at me. You're like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and
2: I was like, I had a funny feeling about Luke this weekend. <laughs> yeah. a it, it was definitely uh, – it, it, it lined up for me because um, it, it was kind of weird. My practice – normally my practice starts out really well, and then it goes downhill. And this one actually kind of – it didn't just just grow big time. It just kind of slowly kept getting better, and I kind of started putting a few things together. And by Wednesday, things really started looking up for me. So I was I was excited about this one. I'm not going to lie you. I hate to get too pumped up about one because then it seems like you get let down. Cause that's what happened the first two terms this year. But, uh, I was, uh, I, I talked to a buddy before this and I said, I might have a shot at this one. I mean, I, I thought I had a shot to win this one, which I mean, there were some opportunities I missed that could have made things differently. Uh, I'm not saying I could have won, but it would have definitely gave us a run for our money.
0: Yeah. I mean, going into day three, I feel like the top 20 all had a shot. I mean, with the oh, fish days. that are in
2: Hartwell, I mean,
0: it was it was anybody's game. I mean, obviously the guys in the top five all had a a pound or two lead, but I mean, for the way it was happening throughout the week, from guys coming in
2: eighteen one day and eleven the next day, it seemed to be anybody's game. Oh it was it was nuts. But that's kind of how this this place is fished. What little I've been here, I haven't been here a lot. Um, people probably correct me on it, but it seems like when you get an area or two, unless those fish are really really coming it's tough to duplicate several days in a row, you know, to try to win one of these, unless you have a very vast area. Um, I was, I was running a lot of miles, uh, moving a lot. Um, but I still had key areas that I was really, I actually put too much effort into those areas and I should have expanded on day three. Um, but day two, whenever everything started clicking, I was like, boys, we might, we might have a little show on the road here. And then, but I was talking to Zona and them after day two. They had me, you know, trying to kind of figure out what thing was going on. And he's like, what do you have to do to possibly win this deal? I said, honestly, I have to have two good bites early in the morning. And that that's when I knew at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, which I caught that good one, um, but I didn't catch that morning herring fish that I needed. Um, if I would have had those two four-pounders in the morning, it would have really really gave me that confidence when you catch a five and a half you know and it just but it didn't happen you know and that's when i knew i was kind of in trouble after that but i thought catching them fish early like i did i had my weight by 9 45 it was i was done like i don't know if, i bet i didn't catch five keepers after that and they were all pound and a half or you know so you didn't but, make any calls in the afternoon no and that was whenever i told my marshall i said I looked at him, I said, the camera guy said, we're going to have a shot at this. Deal. I was, I was pretty pumped up after I caught that good one. I mean, and when the, especially whenever it had that giant with her. I mean, she was huge. And uh, I went back at, uh I left one end of the river and decided to go all the way to the dam, pulled in there, skipped my worm under there and she was still there and she swam off and kind of gave me the finger and was like i'm i'm not gonna bite for you i've already seen this same trick this morning he took my boyfriend so (laughs) yeah she wasn't she wasn't about to have it with me (laughs) so
0: Um, i'm kind of curious so going back a little bit you mentioned in practice how you notice things getting a little bit better what do you mean by that is it more fish bigger fish or just kind of like water temps coming up on you
2: you know i don't know if the water the water temperature obviously was rising uh, a little bit it wasn't a significant amount uh, but on the first day, of course, I started catching them on a wacky rig. Uh, that's not my go to deal. I mean, I am, it's probably good I wasn't on live a lot on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, because I probably have, I'm about out of wacky hooks. Like,
1: <laughs> oh no, I'm not a skipper
2: at all under docks. I mean, it, it was my camera guy told him, I said, You're gonna have a show with me. I said, Cause I suck at skipping docks. Like, I'm gonna hit on top. You know, hitting between the floats, I'm going to hit the floats four times and I'm finally going to make it through the hole and it's going to look like I'm a professional when that happens. But the other 10 times, it's, it's not pretty. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I kept I kept at it and I, I kept getting when I was getting bites on the wacky rig, they were all more quality. Um, but it was kind of weird. And early in practice, I was catching them in the very, very backs of these pockets uh i mean the last dock or the last you know the last two that were there they were on every one it didn't matter where i went what part of the lake or rivers i was in everyone in the back and uh but when the tournament got there or uh, actually the last day of practice i had a very good day it was it was dumb but that's normal and everywhere i went it was a grill i mean they were big 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 and uh, but they had moved out to these docks that were anywhere from six to ten foot of water, which really didn't make sense to me because you think with the water warming up, more would be going to the backs, you know what I mean, and from where I'm from, that's what happens. And it's almost like these fish backed out just a little bit to me. And I don't know if we just had a, a wave that maybe already had pulled up and maybe kind of done their thing because it was really warm till we got there, I think a week or ten days prior, I think they had a pretty cool spell come through. And uh, that might've backed them off. Cause I seen several beds that were empty. Um, mm. So I'm kind of, I don't know if that might've been the deal or what, but it just seems like the fish kept kind of pulling back for me, the fish I were after, mm-hmm. um, you know, some guys said they started catching them further back in the pockets. Maybe that's what I should have done more of, but you know, hindsight's always twenty-twenty When you start looking at it.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, were they, the ones that you were catching further out, I mean, were they, do they still have big bellies or did it seem like they're more post-spawn? No, they were
2: all pre-spawn. I mean, I might've caught one or two that look like post-spawn, but mainly everything I caught, looked, I mean, they were, they had good bellies on their fat, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. I know Andy
0: had a pretty good question for you in terms of like leading up to tournament days and the classic with the kind of like the weird different schedule that the classic has. Andy, you want to throw that at him?
1: Yeah. So, basically, like, you know, you show up to a class, and you're like, I know I'm going to have these two or three days to start. And then you get your off day, right? And then another practice day and then a media day. How do you balance all of that leading up to it now that you've been there three years? So, I guess you can kind of lay out your progression. What was it like your first classic to now preparing for the craziness (laughs)
2: pre-tournament? You know, it's weird. My first classic was nuts. I mean, it was. We had we we're at Gunnersville, and I'd never, I'd fished a little bit, um, but I'm well, I say a little bit one time. I, we fished a tournament there. I think it was May or June. I can't remember my first time there, and I missed the cut. Um, had opportunities to do, to do decent in that tournament, but not not overly well. You know, I never had to fish to win it. Well, whenever. Uh, with well, that deal it started out i remember forget the first day of practice it starts snowing at 10 o'clock and you're thinking this is great. great i haven't got a bite yet and i i ended up catching i had five bites that day and they were two pounders which does not play at gunnersville at all you know <laughs> um but you know i i was able to get a few bites and finally done some things that i'm more comfortable with um but we also had to drive an hour and a half to birmingham that was brutal I mean, you start driving, you know, three and a half, three, three and a half hours a day on top of, you know, fishing and getting up early and just the grind of that. It, it was a long day. And, and even whenever you, the weigh ins, they last longer. You know, we have 55 guys, but it lasts longer because, you know, the more hoopla coming into them, you know, um, this year was a little bit nicer. Um, I knew what to expect. And plus, we only had a 40 minute drive. That makes a major difference. Uh, And plus I was staying, I got my truck bed camper. I'm staying like six minutes from the ramp, which is really, really nice, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, you know, and, but understanding what's kind of going on and what you have to do, what you don't have to do is another thing. I was, I was more relaxed this year than I have been in any of them. Uh, Like you said, I guess I'm got to be in a few of them. That makes a difference too, but I've kind of got things situated as far as, you know, sponsor people lined up, uh, rods, tackle, whatever. I just – I felt more confident this year than I have in a long time.
0: So, like, the – I'm kind of curious. So, you have media day and the day – an additional day prior to day one of the Classic,
2: right? because mm-hmm. what it was? Yeah. We actually started last Friday on practice. Right. We went Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, we we're off Monday. That was kind of checking your motel and stuff. Tuesday – was we just have our main tournament briefing uh, day and then they kind of hand us, you know, they give us South Carolina really showed out and I've uh, done a lot of things for us um, and a lot of sponsors of the tournament stuff gave us a lot of goodies and hats and you name it, we got duffel bags full of stuff which is awesome um, and then Wednesday, of course, we have the official practice and then Thursday, it's a media day which we have not a champions on Wednesday night which is cool and then on Thursday we have the media day and that's it was an all day deal. I mean, it was mm-hmm. after three o'clock when I left there to drive back to my camper and stuff. And then you get ready for the classic. And then that's a five o'clock in the morning. until I was getting to my camper at eight o'clock at night, eight or eight oh. 30 depending on traffic. So, I mean, it, it was a long day, but I was able to come back, sleep in my own bed, take the shower and stuff. It was definitely a lot more relaxed this year for me, as you'd say.
0: Yeah. I mean, with that break, from like your last few hours of practice, I mean, is it one where you're constantly trying to like stay on top of like weather or different like patterns, or are you just kind of like, I'm gonna as soon as I leave the water and until I get back on the water when I put the ramp in on day one, that I'm just gonna tune out
2: and not even think about it? I kind of do. Um, I do watch the weather a little bit, uh, just because I want to know if the wind's gonna blow like crazy or not. That's the main thing. Um, as far as the temperatures and stuff, that doesn't affect me as bad um, because I just think those fish kind of, I think we take more credit for the weather than the fish do, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like if it's, you know, they can't figure it out at 10 foot deep as fast as we feel it, you know. Uh, but the main thing for me is wind. I will watch that just because, you know, if it's going to blow 20 out of the north, well, that's going to eliminate my wacky worm deal. You know, that's, that's kind of really what hurt. Not hurt me the first day, but it definitely didn't help my fish, you know, uh, because it's kind of hard to skip a wacky worm when you got any chop on the water, especially when you don't know how to skip a wacky worm anyway. And uh, so it, it definitely played, played a role in me on that, but that's really about all I pay attention to. because hey, We're all going to have the same weather. That's the thing. I think a lot of guys get too twisted out about the weather and it can affect you. And you can't have something as small as the weather affect you against these guys because you know what's going to happen.
1: <laughs> no, you're sure. going to be a, you're going to be gonna the bottom. Even, it,
2: <laughs> yeah, it can happen in a hurry. You just can't let that affect you. So that, that's that's one thing. I just I just kind of take it day by day because if you try to, to me if you plan too far ahead and too much, it can allow uh, things to put you know cricks in your plan, you know, or and hurt you in the long run for me that's what i've experienced anyway
0: right we have a, a good question here from uh, jason cushlin and they said it seems like oklahoma guys do well on hartwell this time of year does it set up similar to fisheries in oklahoma
2: i kind of think. you know i had some people ask me like how does edwin do how did edwin do well here uh, christy and stuff and christy's just a hammer i mean that's just <laughs> he catches on wherever we go But it actually, to me, and some people might say I'm looking at it wrong or whatever, but it really sets up to me just like the fish do at Texoma, which is kind of where I grew up fishing my whole life. Edwin was very good on Texoma. That was kind of that was before my tournament fishing days. That's actually the first place I met Edwin. I was probably seven or eight years old. Uh, Hmm. But he was really good at Texoma. And Texoma doesn't have a lot of structure. I mean, it does have more rocks and stuff than this place does but it's got tons of floating docks and it's got stripers and we have shad which if texoma had herring it would be identical i mean hands down it would be very very just like this place and i think that's kind of what what puts us what allows us to do a little bit better here um and also you're looking for six or seven bites a day here you're not looking for a 100 um and that i think's a I really think that's, that's why guys from Oklahoma have done well here, just because, of you know, I listened to some stuff about Christie, and he said which he was going to put two bases in his hand, that's it. I mean, he was going to do it how he wanted to do it, and you know, that's that's why he won. Um, but he stuck with what he knew was going to produce the better fish, and he all he knew, he knew if he got five or six, seven bites that day, that he had a potential <laughs> to have the bag to win this deal.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and we're going to Kind of get into that here in a second. Kind of talk about where that uh, that swim bait fit into your wacky worm deal. Um, but I'm just I'm kind of curious. In the topic of this show, we're talking about how to be consistent in a shallow pattern, you know, over a multi-day events. Mm-hmm. Um, and my question is, starting from practice, you know, you mentioned every you know pocket you went into is like the last few docks is where you're finding the majority of the quality fish. Um, yeah. one, how do you, like, how many pockets will you run to figure out if that is true? And then two, like, what kind of signs are you going to look for to know that that's going to hold up over a couple days? If that makes sense.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, I understand. Um, actually I ran about three pockets and was like, that's good enough for me. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I would check, I would check a few each day in practice just to make sure, um, because I would go do some other things like this one here. I wanted to figure out how to catch herring fish. Never have done that for my life. Well, I came up here in December after meeting, and I put that Scottsboro swim bait. And I said, and I'm not a big swim bait guy. Um, I like to when I throw a bait out there. I like to feel something when I reel it in. And instead of, you know, just to, it just feels like it's a swim baits are a do-nothing bait sometimes to me. Um, the less you do to them, the better off you are. If you just reel that thing in slow. That's, that's my experience with them, which is not mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I caught some fish doing that, and that gave me the confidence, okay, I can catch some fish doing that. Well, I think the first morning here, I pulled up. I had one ditch that I was wanting to look at, and I pulled in there, and they were everywhere, And uh, which I knew it was going to be hit. The ditch is going to be hit, and I knew I was about 55 the first day, and there was zero point in me even thinking about it. So, but I, I, got, I got onto that and caught some fish doing that, um, which gave me the confidence to possibly go give, be able to catch a limit. I mean, mm-hmm. the weights were a lot higher than we, a lot of us expected. Because, um, hmm. you know, really 13 and a half, 14 pounds is prime real estate here. You know, you're going to do pretty well. well. You didn't make the cut with that. Well, it was close to 15 pounds, I think. Um, but on the shallow water deal, I... I did, even with the herring bite, I was fairly shallow. I mean, two out to 10 feet was about as deep as I would really fish it. Um, because it seemed like the fish deeper than that, for me, would follow my bait a lot worse. Because um, these fish are definitely educated. They're not dumb. They they have been caught before. And I would pull into a ditch, and I would start out deeper, of course, you know, trying to work my way in. I would hardly ever get a bite. and But once I got under that 10-foot range, up to I would it would almost be dirt shallow, but the shallower I got, the more the largemouth started to play. I very rarely caught a spot in the very back. It was almost all largemouth. Largemouth is how you win here. You know you can, of course, you can win on spots, but the largemouth is more consistently a a bigger bite for you. Um, But I started running that, and I started once I figured that out a little bit. I just kind of run into a pocket, and I'd almost scope it. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't fish much because every one you touch is a little more educated than what he was the time before you hit him, you know. So I just kept running that, and, and that kind of started feeding into uh, the largemouth bite with the wacky worm um, because they were all in the backs. Well, I'd run all these ditches without docks in them, then all of a sudden i start hitting these, you know, these other little flatter pockets um, that were more largemouth predominant, uh, you know, because they just seem largemouth where I'm from. They like a little bit shallower flats. And uh, that's kind of what I started catching them doing. So it was a lot easier for me to duplicate that pattern throughout the entire leg for me.
0: Right. So like, where did you kind of walk us through the day? Like where did the swim bait kind of fit into your pattern? Like, is there a time where you really put it down for the rest of the day and picked up the wacky worm or were there different situations where you'd pick up the swim (laughs) bait later in the day?
2: Well, I always had that thing hanging over the side of the boat because these schoolers would randomly come up throughout the day. I mean, you're allowed to be fishing down the bank, and all of a sudden here they come up, and you fire out there and, you know, pick one off every now and then. But the swim bait deal was mainly till 10 o'clock. If there was wind, it was till 10 o'clock. But prior to that, it was more uh, day one and day, or day two and day three, it was over for me by 8 o'clock, 8.30. I mean, it was was pretty well done. I mean, I caught a few, um, like I said, schoolers, but primarily was done then. Um, the first day they bid up till ten or ten thirty for me. Um, I actually lost my biggest fish. I lost one about five pounds at ten o'clock on the first day. Um, so that was that was definitely brutal. And I still kept it in my hand. I caught a few fish, but that was it. Was pretty much over then. I went to pick up the wacky worm and just tried to hit as many docks as I could out of the wind. Um, but definitely the early morning was definitely better. And I don't know if day two and day three, if those fish, I'd i educate them too much um, because they were doing a lot of following, and I changed colors and stuff. And I just, I mean, I threw jerk baits over them, trying to get something reacting. They just, they just wouldn't hardly really do it.
0: That is so frustrating. Like when you can see them and you can get them to follow, you can never get them to commit on anything. I'd almost rather that's, just not you know, see them
2: at that point. Same. You know, that's a, I mean, my camera guy was talking. It's like. You know, you used to, you'd pull in these little cuts and stuff and be like, well, heck, there ain't nothing here. You know, now there was 300 fall under swim back, back to the boat. And it's like very, it's the live scope deal. It's, it, well, it's, that's how I caught probably 75% of my fish this week was live scope. But it, uh, it definitely, it can make you stay in an area a lot longer than you need to, but it can also pick you up some extra fish you never would have caught prior to that.
0: Right. How much did that play
2: into your dock deal? with black uh probably about 85 90 percent oh that's cool because oh, wow.
1: they're deeper docks right and you yeah you can kind those, of see uh, around I the mean, poles
2: yeah you would i would scan under them and when you skip a worm under it i mean you are liable to not see them because they can get right up next to those floats you'll never see them but i'd skip a worm under there in the high percentage areas and these fish can see i mean the waters you know you could see four to seven feet in most of the place i was fishing and You'd skip a worm so hell like you know they can see it that far every bit of it and you'd see them they'd come out and start following it down and that was that would allow me to mark those docks you know during practice say hey there's definitely fish under these these are my high percentage areas instead of just fishing 400 docks a day i could go in and i know my camera guy was probably like he's not fishing half these docks i'm like well there's three in this whole entire pocket that have fish on them and uh, I wouldn't even I might skip under them. I'd look under them every day, but I would never fish them too hard if I didn't have the confidence to see a fish under them.
0: We have a, a comment here and I must have missed something today where gutsy was on a stream, but you said uh Gussie was dogging you today about your spinning skills. You better get him back tomorrow on BTL. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's uh Matt Pangric called me and was telling me about that because Gussie was uh, is on that Bass Talk Live. And I was, I guess he was parked beside me every day in the boatyard. And I had my tackle is very limited. I don't have a bunch of stuff. Like, I'm confident in what I have. And to me, confidence is what you got to do against these guys because if you don't, you're going to get beat. And, uh, I'd bought some ball head jigs. I didn't have any jig heads. The ones I oh, had no. were was the most looking thing in the world. So I go and I finally find, I went to two or three tackle stores and I finally find some. And these things are as pretty lead silver as you have ever seen in your life. Like <laughs> people from Mars were looking at this stuff. And I was like, gosh, dang. so I'm out there with a Sharpie coloring these heads in. I got my rag and spitting on it, trying to get them where they're not as shiny. And, uh, <laughs> and I had one, I had a swim bait tied on and one, it took a fish that took the tail off of it. And it was just sitting there, and Gussie he looked at it and he goes, "What kind of, uh, the Mickey rig crap is this?" I said, "I said, dude, that ain't mine." I said, "That was the fish took my tail off of it." And he said, "He said, I was hoping that wasn't it because this is terrible looking. Like this is depressing. When you're <laughs> look at your tackle and see what everybody." Else. <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, oh, man. I appreciate it." Like, yeah. and, I, <laughs> and Trust me, my twin bait head collection is very very limited. I just, I mean, I throw a money minna quite a bit. You know, a bigger one. But the little three inch deal, I've had to start getting some new bait, new heads and stuff. So it's it's been an experience for me learning that extra. Expanding. I'm, I'm proud to yes, be you there. Expanding. Uh, You're expanding. And bad memory. I've got I've got a Scottsboro swim bait now. So I'm I'm you know I'm getting out there. I got three baits in my box now. So I'm, I'm like the beginner's <laughs> tackle box. You know, when I start putting all of the things out, I come out and I got my new boxes and it's like oh, okay. You're going to pond hopping. I'm like, now I'm going to fish the leets. See you guys later.
1: (laughs) Chris has a good tip here. He says to dip the heads in vinegar, it dulls the lead quicker.
2: That would have been a great idea. I should have known that about a week ago. That saved me a lot of time (laughs) sitting there rubbing on this dang thing for 30 minutes trying to get the dolphin I got a nice tarnish on (laughs) him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting there for two hours rubbing on the dang ball heads, and he's turning them from a half ounce to a three ace. Just
1: rubbing the right off. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh shit,
2: that's it. Hundred oh. percent. It's been I'm not a big tag tack- A lot of people are big tackle junkies and stuff, and I just never have been. I, I don't know if it's just. Like I said, I've got confidence in four or five different baits. You know. You know, of course, you can use them different ways, but that's I'm just not a. I've never been a big tackle guy. I don't know why. I mean, of course, I love going to tackle stores and looking at things, but I've never, never really just. I still go buy the same four different baits throughout my entire life.
0: I'm right there with you, buddy. Unfortunately, I'm friends with this guy over here. Well, uh, that way, and uh, he's like a huge (laughs) JDM junkie. He's like he's ruining me. So Uh, there's some people.
1: I was just going to tell a story earlier. You sent me a picture of one of the baits that somebody was using in the tournament. You're like, what is this? I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's that. And I found it within like 10 seconds on the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like one of um, the past's posts of everyone's baits. And it was like Taku Ito's is one of the JDM baits he had. I'm like, what in the world is this thing? What was his-
2: that big old blob of stuff on his reel? <laughs> <laughs> what was. That? That's exactly My- what I asked Andy. It was like a
1: nori's bluegill thing.
2: Oh, I was, I looked at it, and I, I, I couldn't even see what it was. I was kind of like, I, I didn't understand. I was like, he's got some yeah. stuff that I don't even know that existed. <laughs> I mean, his yeah. his tackle level is. He would laugh at me like he would literally <laughs> tell me to go home. Like, <laughs> <it's good. laughs> But, you know, oh,
0: there's there's people, though, that do, like you said, that do much better with a more simple setup of baits, like myself. And then there's people that try to expand on that and it can adjust well. And then there's people probably like us where you expand and just confuses us more.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when I started out, I had Patrick Walters and Cook come by my camper there that night before we started practice. And Patrick looked at me and goes, what are you doing with all these spinning rods at? He said, you didn't even have one of these three or four years ago when you got here. And I said, well, he said, you might as well cut this off, cut that off, and just give me heck, you know. I had 20 rod reels out, which is not my deal. I am not that person. Um, I hate that much clutter on my deck. And uh, so it was definitely, uh, when I was able to get it narrowed down, I think I had I had three spinning rods on my deck, two wacky worms, and a drop shot. I don't know why I had a drop shot tied on because I couldn't get them to touch it. I'd watch them all follow my stuff out to the boat and you drop on them. They just, we know what's happening. So, yeah. And I had a couple, I had three swim baits tied on. And, you know, I was when it got down the final day, I said, if I'm going to do well, this is what I've got to have on to do well. And because I had Christy, he told me we were shooting some film together one day. And he said, you know, he said, if I got four rods on the deck, he said, I kind of know what's going on. He said, if I got three to two, he said, I'm starting to get it figured out and he said if I got one he said I'm going to stick it to you pretty good and uh look at Sabine he had one spinner or two spinnerbait rods out and that was it you know so there's a lot of truth to that and I think I think that's the Oklahoma guy stuff so
1: yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I was gonna say I
1: want to get a little weird here real quick when you see those spots chasing that little swim bait on a live scope and they don't want to commit, what words are going through your head to yell at those
2: fish to eat that swim bait? Probably no, I can't tell you that. <laughs> there are a, lot of four letters, a lot of four letters, a lot of stuff that runs in the duck and of stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was uh especially when you're on day three and you're like hey i got a shot to do well here and it's like gorillas and you can tell how big these fish are on live scope when oh, yeah. they have done enough and you can tell when the stripers are around and stuff like that and i had several <laughs> this that final day was sickening uh, i had one group there six or seven of them in there and i pulled in there that morning is where i lost the five on the first day and pulled in there here they come followed it all the way of the boat turned around went back and I'd get them, they'd come up and they'd hit it right at the boat and they would just tickle it. They would not ever crush it or nothing like that. Then I had one other group that was on the back of a ditch. I pulled in there on day one. I caught a four and uh, there were seven of them there. So next day I backed away off of them, you know, fired up there. Here they followed my swim bait all the way to the boat, wouldn't eat it. Day three, I rolled back in there again. Way, way out there, throw up there on them. And it's like there was more of them showed up and they they just drill the end of it and would never eat it. I wanted to put like a little perch stinger hook off the back of it or something, just to try to do something to catch them. But it didn't happen. You know, it's, it's very, very, very frustrating. Heck the worst part of wasn't even the fish that would follow your swim bait. It's when you would skip under a dock and you would watch this gorilla swim all the way down to the bottom. Watch your, you know, dinger go all the way down there. They would literally follow it to the bottom. I'd let it sit there for 30 seconds, 40, 50, a minute, and never move. And they just sound like, no, nope, I'm good, and just start swimming off. And then the other <laughs> ones would sit there and look at it, look at it, and all of a sudden you just feel a little tick and they just start swimming off with it. I mean, it was, I mean, I seen 25 pounds a day swim away from my dinger every day and oh, never wow. eat it. You talk about wanting to break everything you own, especially when you're fishing for a little bit of money like we were this last week. It was it a was bit. depressing. Yeah, just a tiny bit of money. <laughs> just a little, bit, just enough to change your life for a couple of days until you go fill up a diesel, and then you're. Yeah. Right.
1: Oh <laughs> yes. let's not even
0: talk about that.
2: Like, <laughs> that's what, no. I gotta
0: that's go you know. up tomorrow too. <laughs> oh, oh man. That's where you turn your Hydrowave on explicit, and you let them know everything you're thinking. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: If only there was a way. (laughs) Uh, That's what was really, it was frustrating. This one was bad, like you you said. And everybody dealt with it. You know, we watched, you know, these guys are 10 times better than I am with LiveScope. And uh, for what I could see, and I know what they were seeing, it was, it's crazy. I mean, there's so many fish in this place and uh, so many that don't want to bite. Because it was really weird practice. You'd pull up, and if they were going to bite, you didn't have to worry about them following it. They, it would hit the water, and you take two cranks, and they would take the rod out of your hand, you know. So it, that's what I kind of got into. It's like, you pulling a drain, you'd make 10 or 15 casts. If I didn't get bit, I'd roll on um, it, just because mm-hmm. of that. Because if not, you'd sit there and be frustrated and aggravated, <laughs> to say the least, and watch it all happening. Yeah.
0: So kind of going back on our shallow deal, uh, deal here, was there any key to – you getting bigger bites at Hartwell or is it just running enough areas to try to run into a bigger fish?
2: I think a lot of it was running areas. Um, I didn't really have, I had, a, I thought I had quite a bit of stuff after day, um, after the practice and then Wednesday we show up and it's like, I completely didn't leave the section of the lake that I was fishing, but I definitely changed big time. Um, I actually found one of those magical docks and it had 15 or 22 to four pounders swimming around it. Uh, And I caught two threes off of it and some two pounders, Uh, but on day three, I just couldn't get them. They were, I thought I had more to know. I needed to go try instead of sitting there and really working them. Um, But as far as the shallow water deal, I did run, I mean, I had 25 or 30 docks that I really kind of keyed more to because there were multiple fish under them. keep like you'd, you'd look at all these docks and think, well, there's only one there. Now they weren't even where I caught that big one. There was that giant out in front of it. And that dock, you could see the bottom all the way around it. Now tell me why there would be two biggins under one dock like that. And then there was a three pounder on the back dock. And that was it. There was 15 docks around there. And that was the only two docks that had fish on them. Why? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if it was you know, shoreline
1: composition. Sorry, I didn't mean to
2: over. No, I you there. no, i I looked at that too. I looked for uh, you know, maybe clay banks or was it the pig gravel. Um and it didn't it didn't really matter. It was weird. Even uh I had one way up the river of my magical docks. I caught a six off of a dock in, in, on that Wednesday and had two more sixes with it. Well, why would they leave that dock? I went to that dock every single day. I have yet to catch fish off that dock since, but I went back to that other one, and it had 15, 18 foot of water around it, and there was other docks that looked just like it everywhere around it, didn't have a fish on them. That was the only dock in that little cut creek I was in that had a fish on it that I could get to bite. I mean, it was just kind of like, it's like a riddle. You know, why why is it there? And you just, you just kind of have to go and go and go until you found them docks.
0: Is that like, could you almost label it as like that's the the acting, quote unquote, secondary point going into the back of that pocket for them to go spawn on?
2: You know, it's the magical dock that I was on when actually it went back into creek and it cut. And where that dock was, the only difference that I could see between it and the other ones around it is it was darker. You know, hmm. it held shade all the time. Uh, around it it didn't matter where the sun was at it was dark around it and i did start noticing that a little bit throughout the other docks that i checked and it and that was kind of the major thing i guess you'd say is just the darkness around the dock Susan so fish there's nothing for them to be on i mean you either got docks or you got cane or brush piles and other than that they're gonna have to chase herring and shad around on clay banks you know or sand or gravel whatever it is because they don't have, you know, the rock population is pretty low out here. Yeah.
0: That's so interesting. I mean, it's that's a completely different lay of, a, of land that, obviously, Andy or I are used to being from New York. I mean, most of the docks there are all suspending, right? They don't have any fixed docks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, everything. I mean, there's some fixed one, but most everything is just free float docks, which is... Texoma and Oklahoma's got you know it's got a lot of marinas that are like that, but they're really you know they're twenty to forty foot deep. Um, but then I go to Lake Fall and it's got all pole docks, you know they're metal poles and stuff. But you know and the fish set up different on each one of those, so it's it's mm-hmm. kind of it's a it's just different, you know. I mean it's it's kind of one of those things you just have to uh, if you can get a bite or two it can really key you into what you need to do really quick again for these mm-hmm. fish. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a electronic guru by no means. Like that's, I mean, I used to have a stick in my boat and i stick it over the side of the boat and tell how deep I was and you know, where I could take off from, you know, that was, that's kind of how I've always been. I just I'm not a deep guy. And, uh, When i started doing this that relief shading and stuff on these graphs and Mm -hmm. mine was set on that zero to five feet was red well in practice if it didn't have red on that dock i might as well not even touch it especially you know and then like i said throughout the tournament it seems like they backed off to a little bit deeper so that was a, a yellow color for me but i was able to kind of break it down like that and i knew you know i could just look at the map and say okay this is my higher percentage areas for how i'm fishing so what's going to have the fish on them so i started really i started looking at more of that throughout the tournament than i did in practice actually Hmm. to be able to run new water you know i mean you you keep hitting the same stuff yeah a lot of someone's going to reload but a lot of these are resident four pounders you know and they just you know they're not going to be a ton of them around normally you know but you have those special moments that there's more than one there that's what I was, that was going to be my next
0: question is, you know, in a, in a shallow pattern, when you're being successful with it, how important is it to be able to see what's so important to your shallow pattern and being able to therefore replicate that and just go fish new water in the tournament, you know, or is, you know, how important is that in the end of a tournament in a multi-day event?
2: It is, you, you have to have new water. Um, you know, I'm really, I'm, i've got to get out of this mode that i'm in with fishing i think that's that's really what's costing me possibly to win one of these deals i mean i knock on wood i've had i've been blessed to have an opportunity each year i've been in the elites to win a tournament or two um, and i haven't got it done but i think it's because i i will run out of fish um i'm more of a a, coming from team tournaments on single day deals you, you get to fishing spots you know, in your home lake and stuff like that, you you quit pattern fishing, and you have mm-hmm. to pattern fishing. Or you have to pattern fish to do well in multi-day tournaments? I mean, you know, you and you normally need more than one pattern to go off of. Very rare can one pattern, you know, go through the entire, you know, tournament for you. If that does happen, it's a miracle. Uh, and I I get to where one day of practice, say I get on the shallow dock deal, well I'm allowed to run a ton of that type of water um and trying to figure out exactly which areas they're in and i've already got a a preconceived notion where i'm going to go already depending on the conditions and for me to really branch out and go fish extreme new water in a tournament is very hard for me Um, because i've got confidence in certain areas already it's hard for me to go and try the new stuff like Um, because that's, that's a risk, you know, I know there's fish in these areas, you know, where I feel like there is and it's, and I've got to get out of that. I've got to get out of that gut to have that gut feeling to go, Hey, you can do this going and looking at another set of docks somewhere, another point or whatever. And that's, that's kind of my, that's my downfall, I think, in me right now, um, to get that confidence to go do that.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's never easy for anybody. I feel like that's such a hard hurdle to get over is be able to go fish new water. Uh, yeah. I think it was Pollanick a few years ago that was talking about that hurdle, like being able to just like, when you're acknowledging that, or no, maybe it was, I think it was Swindle that said that, you know, you have that gut feeling where like you get to one of your areas and you know, it's just not going down, but you're feeling like the past few days, you've had confidence in that area. You just need to pick up and go like, ditch that feeling ignore that like sign that your your confidence is cooling you and just go fish something completely new because it'll might mentally refresh you you can kind of start acknowledging a few things that are going on
2: no it's 100 i i've got to get out of that like it's it's tough because most of the tournaments i've done well in through my entire life has when i've stayed in an area you know not a giant area i've stayed in a pretty small area and really milked it for everything it's worth. What's scary too about running new water is that Christie just run this water, that Welcher just run this water, that Blaylock already come through here. You can get in a bad rotation and because these guys find everything. I mean, it's just, that's it. I mean, these that's why they're here. Um, and to get in a bad rotation and then all of a sudden you start hitting two or three spots or four like you felt like you should have had fish and they've already been beat to death by the time you get there, and then you start second guessing. Well, heck, I should have stayed where I was at, um, and that's I think what's happened to me several times. And I think that's the reason I go ahead and stick it out where I'm at most of the time. It's like I live and die where I'm at instead of trying to go branch out and do it. And I think if it ever happens, if I can ever branch out and it start working, I think that's when you can get that confidence to say, hey, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I can just go, you know, make it a mm-hmm. practice day. But I think. Slot too, if you can somehow get you some fish early, to give you that confidence to keep rolling. Because if you got one fish in the box, you're like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do now? You know, it. Yeah. It can. It, it, it's a. It's a. It's a mental game. A lot of people say what they want. I mean, all the guys have the tools here when they get here. You know, it's just a matter of fact of who makes that decision at that last split second. To boost him over the top, or you know, or fall to the bottom. I mean, it and it's that small of a decision can make the difference between winning or not even getting a check. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's always the guys that are able to go practicing on tournament days that are the most dangerous,
2: because you know yeah. mentally
0: that they're just they're rolling, and especially this, they have that freedom to go check out more stuff, and you're still in your confidence area that you think you're confident in, and it's just not going for
2: you. Yeah. I've, I've never really got to do that. I don't think I've never had a tournament that I was, I pulled up and it was like, Hey, that's here. I've got my 17, 18 pounds. I'm going to hang out the rest of the day. I I might've had that happen once or twice. It's like, I try to go do more. And it's like, well, I don't want to go bust the four pounders or threes, you know, and I'm going to, you know, it's just, it's tough. And uh, so it's, like I said, it's, it's a struggle. It's a, it's a mental block. It feels like I got to get over and I think if I can ever get over that. I think it really start heating up for me, but it's hard to change a lot because I've been very blessed and, you know, with being fairly consistent throughout my career. And I don't, kind of hard to change something that's been working for for me for, some, for this long anyway.
0: Right. When you're when you're practicing and like obviously you're a shallow guy, so majority of time you're spending is shallow. Will you mm-hmm. go through an area and just basically catch them until you catch some quality fish, or is it kind of once You start getting into some numbers and realize it's a healthy area, then you'll pull out and leave it for tournament day.
2: I, it, I normally go ahead and catch some fish till I get to the quality that I think is going to be potential for the tournament. Uh, it seems like a, some of the lakes we fished that the fish really group to size. Um, like here, if I pulled into a spot and they were, let's say, a herring gill and they were pounded and a halfers. I didn't catch anything over a pound and a half or two pounds. But when I pulled in there, they were two and a halves, or, you know, they were all the same size. It was, it was really different for me. Um, so that's kind of, like, I'm not going to go through there and skip a jig for two hours and catch pound and a halfers, and it's going to take 18 pounds a day to do well, you know. So I'm gonna, I'll i go till I catch a few decent ones, and then I'll kind of look the area over a little bit different and start shaking fish off or completely get out of what I'm doing and try something else.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's just always uh at least for me, because I, Andy knows that I'm not a shallow guy. I, I might be the polar opposite of you and that I like to never see the bank if I can. I don't know. I'm just weird that way. So it's like yeah. always a weird thing. It's like, I, I think it's, you have to understand that body of water and kind of get a feel for what's going to be good throughout that tournament. And just, that's always the struggle for me is how much should I catch? How much should, like, when should I leave? You know, what determining factors do I need to know about that, that area? And most likely you're not going to know until tournament day, until, you know, the results are shown to you, but it's always a a struggle. And that's why I like to ask you guys that question. The the professionals at it, of course.
2: Yeah. And that's what I would, I really, I normally give myself a day out Um, But then I'm thinking, on this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not my deal. Why am I out here? And then I go and I start getting bit up on the bank or wherever. I'm like, you idiot. That's not your deal. Get up on the bank. Because I spent a fair amount of time. Well, I spent two and a half days here in the fall. And I think I fished three hours in two and a half days. I spent a lot of time behind the wheel. And uh, I stayed primarily in the midsection of the lake just because that's where this thing is that's where it's been won every time i mean you know it it normally doesn't take this much weight but it normally is one out of the middle section of the lake seems like that was where the better quality for me now you get up the river it seems like i catch one or two better fish um which is what i would do after i you know had a decent limit um but it was i really wish i could get confident because i think the out if you ever do figure out the deeper bite it seems like it can be a little bit more consistent for you, um, especially for a multi-day tournament. And normally there's not just one fish out there, you know, on a rock pile. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got one stump, you're going to have one bass on it in four days and that's it. So having that little bit deeper um, mindset for me, I think would be definitely outstanding to help me through a tournament. of so, tournaments. You know, just to have a couple of sneak spots right there and catch me a couple or whatever would be very crucial. and, and uh, Bonus fish. I really, yeah, yeah, Bonus, yeah, for sure. I it seems to be
0: like and this is just mo- this isn't coming from me, my perspective, it's more coming from the, the folks I've talked to from the south that it seems the tide is flipping on the deep for shallow, that the deep fish are becoming the most pressured fish now and that these shallow fish are kind of becoming free game for you guys.
2: The live scope's definitely helped out with that. You know, it has um but I turn that dagging thing on before I even get to the dock. I mean, I, I look at live a lot more than what I probably should. I mean, I'm allowed being three foot of water, scoping around trying to find a turtle on the bottom. I, you know, it's just, I, I stay with it. And because all it takes is you picking up one or two fish with an extra over what you're doing, and then it's worth having. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because that four pounder that you scanned out there in the middle of the pocket that you would never have caught in your entire life is now a game changer
0: yeah so dude we're gonna start wrapping things up here in a little bit and I'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts are on Santee coming up but my last question on this on this shallow deal is if I know you're you've been good with a, a spinner bait a jig like like you mentioned you like to keep things simple and very few baits on your deck if you just have one for shallow across the country and what's your go-to
1: in color
2: it's gonna be great pumpkin purple. It's gonna be the color. Um, that's
1: a great color choice, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I have caught them up north, everywhere else, and, and so I'm not gonna change. I've caught them in mud, here, clear, whatever. Um, it would probably be either a young binger, just because I mean you can Texas rig it, you can wacky rig it, you can Ned rig it, you can do whatever with it. Um, that or bad mama. That that bad mama is my favorite flipping bait. Um, that I've ever used. Uh. The reason it is, I mean, I can put it as a jig trailer. I can Texas rig it. I, you know, um, I punch with it. uh, But it falls like a tube. But your hook Hmm. ratio is 10 times better than a tube, or it is for me. A tube has been my downfall. I like a tube, but I lose fish on it. Uh, Bill Lowen's got a good way to try to change it um, to where you can catch them. He rigs it different. Um, But the bad mama falls good and I like it. And it's a small, compact bait. That is my definitely one of my best bed fishing bait because when they got that thing in their mouth, they have your hook too. And uh, hmm. so that's that's definitely my favorite. I mean, you can probably go and see the money I've won over the last four years. I wouldn't doubt if probably forty or fifty percent have not been on a bad Oh wow, that's the one and that's that, got like 50, the um, the two
0: straight tails on the end, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, it's just a very, it's a compact. I think it's not like a three and a half. No, it's a four and a quarter inch bait, Um, but it's just simple. But how the bodies form, it just kind of falls down. It's just kind of a glide looking bait. Of course, you put a big weight on it, it's going to fall straight. But when you put a quarter or five sixteenths on it, it falls really a lot like a tube and it just kind of gets a little, it's just different. And I really, really like it, especially fishing shallow, you know, super shallow, less than two foot. It's, it's very subtle. But, yeah, it's got a big enough profile, and those fish are going to go ahead and gain it
0: too. Heck, yeah. So, dude, looking forward to to Santee Cooper. I heard uh, earlier practice is going to be a little bit chilly for you guys, but what are your thoughts going to Santee Cooper next week?
2: Man, I'm kind of nervous about it, actually. I'm not not a big fish guy, but, you know, we have – these tournaments—if you go back and look at my track record—if it took 13 pounds, or 16 or 17 a day to do well, I've been, I've done fairly well. Tough tournaments. Uh, I don't know if it's just because the grinder in me, uh, but Santee's not going to be a little fish tournament at all. I mean, it's—I
0: mean, we—I have
2: looked at the weather, and it's—we start practice on Sunday. I think the low is 27. Ooh, Ooh, seven, that's seven, cold seven, for down there. <laughs> they don't like that stuff. I can promise you about as much as I do. So, I think it, but then you look further in the week and it's will be 80, 85 degrees by the time we start tournament. They're liable to go to the bank, which they're going to be on, on the bank regardless because them fish just don't get deep. You uh, know, I, I done well there a couple years ago in the fall. Uh, I should have got a top 10. I just I screwed the pooch on day three and lost some fish. Uh, but it's gonna take some it's gonna take some weight. I mean it, I don't know how much the weather's gonna really affect it. Um, I don't know but like it gets raining here and it's not warm at all right now. Right. I mean it's in the you know upper forties, low fifties. You start doing that and it's supposed to rain there for two or three days, I think, during practice. I hope the weatherman's wrong. Um, but it's gonna be a it's gonna to be tough for me. I mean, that's just not my not my type of deal. I'm not a cypress tree fisherman at all. I've only seen them three times in my life and two of them were at Santee. So it'll be it'll be different, but yet if you accidentally do hit the right five trees, you can go from eight pounds to 28 or 38 pounds real quick and in a hurry. And, uh, you know, that place is full of four to seven, eight pound fish. So it'll be, a, it's going to be interesting. They're, they're going to catch them. There's no doubt. I think there's a BFL that took 28 or 30 to win it and it took 20 something pounds to get a check so i mean it, it's it's chock loaded i mean it, it really didn't show out when we were there in the fall because we were there a tad bit too early you know it's still hot now if we'd have been there in november it's like we took 21 or two pounds a day win. i mean it's it's just a, they're big <laughs> you know and it's just it'll be interesting i mean i don't know I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not because it's such a, I mean, you catch 15 pounds, you're thinking, okay, I'm doing fine. And you're in like 79th place, you know, 20 pounds <laughs> out of the lead. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to take more than 15 a day to do well. I promise you at that one. I mean, it's all to be 17 and a half to 19 pounds a day to do well, which is, that's insane to me, you know, but that's yeah. just, you know, I I was there a few years ago. I didn't catch very many fish until finally on the third day I was there looking at it that I finally caught a seven and some fours and lost a couple of big and I was like well hell that was easy you know <laughs> it, it was you know I spent two and a half days and finally got those bites but it, I've got a little more confidence a little bit more knowing about the lake I don't know a lot about it but I do have some areas that I think I can go to and probably catch a few fish and at least I'm not just running around like a chicken with my head cut off. That's not a place you can do that. <laughs> i say at uh,
1: least you've been there before, so now you have some probably old boat trails and whatnot, so you kind of know where to navigate.
2: Yeah, it's not even a place you just. Hey, I'm just going to trim it up and run across that. You don't do that either. because now, oh, there's lower units probably laying everywhere on that place, and I don't want to be the <laughs> guy. That, so I don't want to. I don't want to devote something to the Saint T gods and leave my lower down there for me play with
1: especially because they're really hard to get right now
2: yeah they're not they're not real predominant out there just hey let's go tear one off and just pick up another one the next morning but, yeah that's scary too but you know luckily unfortunately if i got another boat that my dad's got that uh i might go swap his out real quick and in a hurry if i had to one night but hopefully we don't have to worry about that
0: <laughs> yeah Andy, you got anything left for uh, for our guest, like Palmer, before we let yeah, him go Palmer. through
1: Yeah, We just got to be like Palmer, all right?
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, no, um, dude, I wish you the greatest success the rest of the year. Congrats on the top six at your third classic. And I guess from here, all you can say is you keep going up. So hopefully you do get that win this year. We'll be cheering for yes, you. I
2: appreciate, I appreciate it. I, I want to get a trophy. I ain't, I ain't had one in several years, and well, I hadn't won anything since the ABA Nationals. That was the last yeah. big deal I won, and uh, kind of, I'd really like to have one of these blue ones. <laughs> I mean, since I ain't got a black trophy because it's already Christie's house now, so I guess yeah. I'll have to be content <laughs> the blue one for the till the for the next year anyway. But that, I don't know what can happen. You know, I've I've kind of got beside the eight ball this year and got behind classic cut in these first two so it's early just need to go catch them the rest of the year and uh, make the next classic because uh, that's classic's a show you can't miss it it's said i never want to miss one i haven't missed one yet and, um i, I don't want to start now uh, it's so we're going to give them hell the rest of the year and where the where the cards falls where it's going to be that's just all you can do is fish your butt off and hope for the best because that's all that's all you can do against these guys cause, yeah when it falls in your favor and everything, because you have to have everything lined up to win one of these deals. You can't lose fish. It's got to be – when it's your time, it's your time. Yep, I'm, right. just, I'm waiting for my time. I'm I'm not – well, I'm not waiting. I'm you trying to get up there and do it myself. But when it happens, it's going to happen. It's going to be just as good as if it happened the first year. If it happens the 10th year, still going to be enjoying it.
0: I, I saw a post on social media about Christy saying uh, – they don't know if it was revenge or just inevitable for that win. I'd say you getting a blue trophy is the latter of that, and that it's it's just inevitable. So just keep grinding, dude. It's going to happen at some point.
1: Grinders are going to grind, and they right. always come out on top, it seems like, at some point because they grind. So just keep that foot down and go catch them. And not too many cuss words at the live scope fish that won't eat a swim bait. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: no <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, we're, uh, we're going to let you go here, but I have one more question for you, and we're going to let you go. Okay. And that is, um, will we see a 10-pounder at Santee Cooper, and if so, how many?
2: We'll see one. I don't think we'll see over 10 of them, but we might see three. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> two to three of them. Especially if the weather okay. lines up, we do get some sunlight, and uh, it does get 87 degrees. And it's liable to be one that they see on the bed too, so that'll be that'll be pretty exciting. And I see a couple of them coming for sure, though. We'll well, let's some, hope it's like, big, Palmer. Just like like <laughs> Maybe I'll be the guy who gets two of them. that would be all right. Too. There you so go. Back to
1: back doubles. That'd be that'd be intense. <laughs> oh,
2: <geez.
1: laughs> I might get a little excited. <laughs> You're gonna have some double arm shakes at
0: that point. Oh man. Right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well seriously, I appreciate it. Uh it's been a blast to catch up with you the past couple of weeks and uh yeah. we'll be rooting for you on Santee. Go catch him, dude. All right,
2: thank you guys. Appreciate y'all having me on. We'll see
0: y'all. Hi right, boss. Safe travels, we'll see you. Such a good dude. Yeah. Thank you to uh Mr. Like Palmer for uh taking time <laughs> in his uh in his camper in the rain to come on and talk fishing with us. It's always an absolute pleasure. And, yeah, uh, for for folks who have never gotten the the privilege to meet Luke, he's easily one of the nicest. Like
1: people. you mean like? I I don't <laughs> know who this Luke guy is at this point.
0: <laughs> this this like Palmer that has to uh, shave off his ball head jigs because <laughs> they're too shiny. <laughs> uh, uh, either way, um, it, it's it was a lot of fun watching these guys this week and uh Andy I'm I'm glad you got to experience your first classic um so that was a lot it was a lot of fun down there in South Carolina especially getting to see all the people that we talked to over social media and hopefully you guys on live tonight and folks that are listening on mp3 right now got a lot of juice uh from Luke there on how to be consistent in a shallow pattern because there's not uh, a person really doing it as well as he is right now there's a, a good group of shallow hammers the elites right now and he's definitely one of them Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something i'm super interested in because i I suck at it it sucks shallow so it's a it's a fun conversation to pick his brain
1: so i yeah i guess the biggest thing with the shallow bite is just getting used to it i i don't mind i a fish is a fish to me however i catch them i'm happy so Mm -hmm. it's uh it's fun
0: (laughs) yeah it definitely is a lot more fun i'll say up shallow but it's 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 an interesting tournament strategy for me, and it's one that I like going deep because chances are when you find them deep, you're finding a good amount of them. Whereas, mm-hmm. like shallow, I'm always worrying about whole, having enough fish. With if it's a it's a one day event, you're not worried about it. Yeah. But if it's a multi day event, being consistent at the top and winning shallow, especially if there's a big group of guys that are shallow and you know that they're going to be trying to find the same you know line of stuff, I mean that's something I'm worried about. You
1: know what I mean? Oh, and it's a great worry, especially when you can only pedal so fast. (laughs) So, like, the game plan has to be completely different from a kayak to a boat, in my instance. If I want to go deep and I, in practice, I find them deep and I find them shallow, I can run back and forth in mere seconds to where for you to cover three miles of ground might take you 40 minutes, depending on how hard the wind is blowing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so completely different strategy like if i was in your shoes i think i would be deep all the time as well just because i know less people will probably be out there with me
0: yeah that's a whole different that's a whole different episode we can do i mean we've had a bunch of those conversations right on kayaks tournament strategy versus boat tournament strategy but um we're we're gonna get into that actually soon coming down the road here we're gonna kind of dig into that even deeper um, we're going to have a couple episodes for Chris from the Bass boat. We'll talk about a uh, an expenses and uh, your ROI, your turn on investment for doing kayak tournaments versus boat tournaments. and That'll be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, um, Absolutely. But it's uh, tonight was about Luke Palmer. And congrats again on his, his sixth place finish at the Classic every year. He's finishing better and better. So hopefully he can get back to Knoxville. And uh, that'll be an interesting one to see him compete in. And Especially if he
1: uses Yum Dingers, and that's about it, and Bad Mamas.
0: And bad Mamas. <laughs> and hopefully, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's not like freezing cold and 39-degree water for them like it was last year. Um, but, folks, uh, there's, looking forward to this week, Thursday night, we'll be having our Santee Cooper Fantasy Fishing Live show on Thursday, so we hope to see you guys there. We'll be giving away prizes from uh, our sponsors over at Hobie Eyewear Omni Fishing, Queen Tackle, and, of course, Hummingbird and Mincota. Get some swag from them. So uh, come and join us for the live stream. It's uh, it's going to be a fun one talking about the gunslinging that Santi Cooper, hopefully, fingers crossed, is going to have and not going to be raining and cold like Luke said it looks like right now. So, yeah. yeah
1: um, well, in all retrospect, real quick, before we sign off here, it looks like we're going to go through quite the warm-up here in about 10 days. So so that that pretty exciting. We'll
0: see some on the water content coming from New York here soon. So I am yep. going to Morgan Marine later this week and this weekend to uh, finish the wiring on my Mega Live. And uh, given that the weather is good, I'm going to go fishing in New York on the kayak this weekend.
1: So, oh yeah, uh, I think I'm taking my boat in Friday to get it ready for the year. So it's can,
0: uh, uh, how can folks get in touch with you? if they want to set up some guide trips for smallmouth this year.
1: um, You can hit up my social media. So Facebook or Instagram, send me a message and my phone number is plastered all over them. Please don't send me any spam, but if you want to talk fishing or shoot me a text, you can gladly do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Spam drives me insane, <laughs> but um, yeah, don't, don't spam me. Just uh set up a date. We can get out. June is just about fully booked. May is, I got a few days left in May, and then anything from like July through November is pretty much fair game right now. So let's get yeah. on out.
0: Yeah. And so uh folks, to make it easier for you guys, uh every show we have, whether it's on YouTube or you're listening at MP3, have show notes. And you can go down and get Andy's social or at the bottom, uh Andy's email is down there. Full fishing guide service at gmail.com. And you can get in touch with him and uh come up, come fish, and uh if I'm around, we'll go out and get a beer beer on me and we'll have a good time. So he'll get you on the fish and all I'm good for is buying your beer that night. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it was a really fun show tonight with Luke. It's good to get him back on here. Uh, we have our, again, our Santi Cooper show is this Thursday and next Tuesday night live. We're having Mr. Gary Klein. On Ooh, the show, I am really looking be a forward good one. to. Uh, I can't wait to unlock some juice uh I've had the pleasure of getting the boat with Gary and he showed me a few things and we're going to expose it on Tuesday night live next week so some
1: power bait jigs maybe
0: way more than just power bait jigs some stuff yeah. we're going to dive deep in the box with uh Gary's of uh expansive knowledge of bass fishing so literally looking forward to that Gary's a really good dude and the guy can talk forever so he's going to be make for a really fun podcast so that's going to be good and uh Folks, we just appreciate you guys tuning into these shows. We always it's always a fun time. Always. We are back from our Bassmaster Classic hiatus and look forward to seeing you guys on Thursday night. We'll see y'all. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more.